Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, our guest is uh, Justin Cernitz, who is a founding partner, and Candice Chevron, who is the managing partner of Cernitz Law. Welcome, guys. Thank Thanks you so much. Us. Thanks so much. Great. Yeah, so, you know, I'll start out with you, Candice. What, what made you decide to get into law? Um, it's funny that you ask that. A lot of people ask me that question, and I always tell them, I didn't seek the law. I think the law sought me. I, like a lot of people, um, once I graduated from college, I really didn't know, you know, I pursued advertising because that's what my sister did. And I always wanted to follow in her footsteps. And then I soon realized after I had a really, really great internship up in New York that I had no business being in advertising. I wasn't, you know, really great with the creatives. Right. And so like a lot of people, when you, when you shoot for what you want to do, um, then, and, and you realize that's maybe not the path that I should be taking, what am I going to do next? And so I caught up with a friend that I hadn't spoken to since middle school. She was the first friend that I ever had when I moved to the United States from Taiwan. And she was in law school up in New York. So I always admired and respected her. So I said, okay, well, let's go, you know, let's go to law school. And then uh, once I graduated law school and got into my first job, which was at a very big defense firm representing insurance companies and found the niche of property insurance law, that was it. That that was my calling. And so I would like to say the law found me. Right. And then how about you, Justin? Mine was a little more traditional. Uh, my father is a, an insurance defense lawyer in New York. Okay. And he was actually Avis Renicar's uh, claims attorney for many years in the 80s and 90s. Okay. And he's, I always liked, enjoyed going to work with him, you know, playing on the Xerox machine, going to the cafeteria. They started taking me to court and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I think I can do this. And he said, great, if you want to be a lawyer, just don't defend the insurance companies. It's a lot more fun to sue them. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so at that point, I, you know, my father always pushed me to, go in the opposite direction of he as what he did during, right. you know, because he's like, just don't be me. You'll be good otherwise. So right. it, it was a, a nice transition. And it's nice to still get the, um, you know, when we talk cases and sometimes he's a great, he has a lot of knowledge. He's been practicing for 40 years. He knows what all the insurance companies do. And granted, I had some experience working on that side as well. But uh, it's always nice to have that resource to kind of talk through a case because, you know, I feel like deep down, he's a real plaintiff's lawyer, but uh, he just right. got stuck being a defense lawyer. <laughs> that's funny. So, you know, you know, going through this, I mean, that that's what kind of got you guys in it. But I mean, what 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 still gets you up in the morning, gets you fired up to want to come in and, and help your clients? So for me, um, I'm I always tell people I'm that mad scientist that likes to be behind the scenes and I get super hyper focused on you know the 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 minutia which can be really really important and i think that's something that i don't see a lot in in a lot of professionals but in speaking of law you know everybody wants to check the box and go through the motions 
And I, I still get off on finding that, you know, the needle in the haystack, thinking outside of the box, getting that theory that, you know, nobody else has come up with. Because I always tell people, the devil's always in the details and nobody right. wants to spend the time finding the little details. And so I still, that's what gets me up in the morning. Do I love the run of the mill normal cases, yeah. even the ones that make me a lot of money? No, I mean, yeah, it's great because it, it pays the bills. But I live for finding that needle in the haystack and coming up with this great theory to try to win the case. Um, so that's what keeps me going. Great. Justin, how about you? Me, I just love dealing with clients. I, I really try to help people and it gets me up in the morning and I get psyched up because I know there's certain you know judges I may need to convince or I got to deal with a certain defense attorney. But in all in all, I just like helping clients. You know, it, it's always being my thing. I, I don't like defending the big guy. I, I just love helping the underdog. And that's always been, you know, who I am. I mean, I was the underdog growing up. People were like, you're really going to be a lawyer? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer. So, you know what? It, it's, it's a pleasure to help, you, you know, right. in, in, on a daily basis. Right. Now, now both of you guys kind of, you know, both of you kind of go go against the insurance companies, but you you have a different focus can you talk about, you know, can you talk about your focus and what, you know, you're saying that you do prop, more property side of things. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. Well, I, I exclusively do um, property insurance law. I spent the first five years of my career um, representing the insurance companies. And so that has given me a lot of insight in the way that I prosecute the cases against the insurance company. Um, and so, um, the, the myriad of, of different types of, of issues or cases that we deal with on the property side is, you know, your standard, if your insurance company doesn't pay you enough, or if the insurance company denies coverage. And sometimes there are really interesting issues that deal with the insurance company and the insurance policy coverage issues, um, sometimes dealing with issues issues uh, involving, you know, the insurance agent, although rarely in that aspect. Right. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get your real nuggets of gold where you're dealing with, with policy type arguments where the insurance company, you know, didn't do something that they were supposed to do when it came to getting uh, their policies approved or they didn't even submit it for approval, um, which is, you know, something that you see a little bit few and far between. But those are the general types of issues that I deal with on the property insurance side. Right. And Justin, what about your side of things? Well, I mean, I also deal with the property, but I also deal with a lot of personal injury as well. Mm -hmm. And it's you know, I think personal injury lawyers really get a bad rap that we're ambulance chasers, we're the bomb of the barrel, we're the scum of the earth. But you know what? There are a lot of people that are hurt out there. There's a lot of people that have been wronged by doctors, nursing homes, birth injuries, negligent security that are no longer with us because of someone's negligence. Right. And we help them, you know, if they're in pain, they're suffering. And a lot of people just don't realize that that's what it really entails personal injury really gets personal because it's different than property in the aspect that there's a fixed cost that's going to cost to fix something. Your roof costs a certain amount. Your uh, plumbing costs a certain amount. Your life, your leg, your brain. It, 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 there's not a, a full price tag that you could put on that that's fixed. And you know we really try to get people what they deserve for their injuries. Right. 
Now, in the property, uh, or excuse me, in the on the personal side, there, what are some of the common mistakes that people make when it comes to you know they they get injured, however it is, um, and you know they want to try to get something from the nursing home or the hospital or whatever. What are what are some of the common mistakes that they make? I'll tell you the first most common mistake is that people wait too long. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will sit there and debate whether or not they should call a lawyer, whether they have a case. But in Florida, at least, you have four years to bring a negligence action. But if it's a nursing home or medical malpractice, you only have two. And a lot of people will call me and they go, you know, about two and a half, three years ago, I realized that I think this doctor really screwed up something. I'm like, wow, it sounds like he did. But unfortunately, you're out of luck because there's statutes of limitations that, you know, there's a certain amount of time you can bring something for. And, and the second most common thing that I do see in personal injury is that, let's say for the common car accident, mm -hmm. and let's say it may not be the worst accident in the entire world, but you're feeling hurt, you're feeling achy, you're feeling like something could be wrong, you gotta go seek medical treatment immediately. Go get checked out in an urgent care, go get checked out in an ER quickly. Because otherwise, the more the longer you wait, unfortunately, the insurance company goes, well, the, obviously, the injury couldn't have been that bad because you waited four months to go see a doctor for the first time. Right. So if you think something may be wrong, go check, get it checked out. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, just from you know, growing up and everything else, it's always like, oh, you're OK, you're OK. Um, and, and sometimes we try to tough it out and get through things and and. You know, what you're saying is if if you get hurt, not only in a car accident, but in a slip and fall or anything else, you need to go get checked out you know, right away to, to A, to make sure that you're OK, but then B, to make sure it's on record. Correct. Correct. Because, you know, unfortunately, the insurance companies will use that against you. Right. And, you know, you, you may have been 100 percent truthful in the fact that, well, you know, I just did. I wanted to tough it out, but they always go, well. Granted, you wanted to tough it out, but if you were hurting, a reasonable person goes and gets treated or goes to get checked out. So that's one of the main things I like to tell everybody. Just even if you don't think it's, you know, you're hurt, you go, go get checked out. And the last thing is call the police. Hmm. A lot of people forget to call the police because they think it's not so bad or they'll be fine. Or the other guy said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And guess what? When everybody, when every guy says, oh, I'll take care of it two days later. What are you talking about? It wasn't my fault. So right. you, you can't go that route either. Right. Now, in, in that, you know, also situation. So, you know, somebody that the slip and fall, they're in an accident or whatever. They do go get medical treatment um, and they, you know, start trying to everybody always seems to be afraid to, to submit something to the insurance company because it's like, oh, my rates are going to go up. So kind of, you know. How do you how do you guys handle that? You know, because, again, I'm, I'm looking long term. I don't want my rates to go up. Well, I tell them, have you had a lot of accidents in the past? Right. No. Or yes. If you had a lot of accidents. But here's the thing. If it's not your fault, your rates likely not going to go up. Mm -hmm. If you're the person that keeps hitting people and then finally you get hit and you have a claim you know, history of like four or five accidents. Yeah, your insurance is probably likely going to go up. It's the same thing on the property side. People go, well, if I make a claim, is my rates going to go up? Number one, at least here in Florida, everybody's rates go up anyway. Right. Okay. Just because the way it is. 
But if you're a person that has a, a roof claim, a plumbing claim, a fire claim, uh, and another bathroom claim all within two, three years, yeah, they're probably going to go up and they're probably going to drop because who wants to insure that? Right, right. Um, now, if, if you know, I get hurt, I get, you know, medical bills, I do all that stuff, and then I'm trying to to get reimbursed for that. And the insurance company is pushing back and saying, oh, no, that, you know, your your health insurance should cover that. How, I mean, kind of give me, give me some guidance there. This is a tough one to answer, mainly because every state has different no-fault laws, meaning okay. no-fault is, no matter what, at least in Florida, you get $10,000, which is actually not much in the medical world. Mm -hmm. um, if you are injured, you get $10,000 for medical benefits, regardless of fault. In New York, you get 50,000. I think in Michigan, you get 150,000, okay? So those bills are, are paid for normally by the insurance company. The bills themselves, they, they don't really factor into the personal injury payments per se. They see how much treatment you have, but because the insurance companies typically take care of those medical bills because you're entitled to them, whether you're at fault or not, if the provider, meaning like the doctor is not getting paid by the insurance company, the doctors or the, the hospitals or the medical clinics or the MRI centers, they'll file their own lawsuits or go to arbitration against the insurance companies to get those bills paid. But they really can't be passed on to the client. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, Candace, on, on more on the, the, the property side, um, what are some of the common cases that you're that you're seeing on that side, and and what are some of the mistakes people are making? Um, a common mistake that people are making, because um, it's a big, there's been a big shift in the law in the state of Florida, and so even though we have a statute of limitations of five years, um, because we're suing over a contract, so so under the contract it's a five year, although. Hurricanes, they've kind of carved out an exception of a three-year statute of limitations. But the problem with that is, is that now we've just had some, some bad law against us that came out where, you know, the judges are starting to say, you know, uh, a year and a half or two year um, of, of a reporting of a loss is considered late notice and therefore, you know, you lose. So it kind of goes against the statute of limitations um, which, you know, is the reason why it's so hotly contested and why it's it's probably going to continue to be a, a you know, a heavily litigated issue. So the number one so the number one mistake, and it's very similar to the personal injury, is late notice. You know, people and, and sometimes not to the fault of the policyholder, because imagine, let's say you have uh, storm damage. OK, not not even hurricane damage, but storm damage. And you know you have some sort of sort of a breach in your roof, and who goes up on their roof to check you know your your, your right. tiles and and your tab shingles? Nobody does that. So let's say you have a breach in your roof that you didn't know about, and there's a major storm event, and the water you know infiltrates the roof and and goes down you know through your your walls and whatever. And sometimes that damage isn't readily you know. Uh, you can't exhibit that damage right away. Sometimes it doesn't right. exhibit itself until, you know, several months later, or maybe it's exhibiting in a room that you don't ever hang out in or go to. Maybe it's a guest room. And so sometimes to no fault of the policyholder, they, you know, report the, you know, the claim once they see the damage. And unfortunately, 
that may, that may not be until months and months later. And so the insurance companies will send an adjuster. And unless, you know, the, the water damage looks really fresh, you know, right. meaning if it hasn't, you know, molded yet or, or what have you, then they'll automatically say, ah, this is either pre-existing damage or this is damage that happened over a period of time or you didn't report the damages timely. So that is the number one biggest dinger uh, against, you know, my my policyholder clients. Right. No, so I get this one, by the way, is no one takes any pictures of anything. Right. Right. We all got iPhones now. We all got yeah. Androids. It's right. simple to take a quick video or a quick picture of what's going on at your house. You know, and not enough people realize it because, and I get it. People are like, oh my God, this is happening. Oh, not let's stop and take my you know, phone out and take a picture, but it's so important. It helps the case so much if you do. And that actually lends itself to the, the a big point that, that goes in conjunction with that. And that is, you know, I always tell people, if it doesn't exist in writing, it doesn't exist at all. Likewise, with, with photographic or videographic evidence. And here's the best story. So my client, one of my clients uh, had severe hail damage. Mm -hmm. And the insurance company had the audacity to deny that there was any hail activity that day and therefore denied the claim. Well, thank God my client was amazing and had it all captured on video. And I remembered that day because I was actually standing in Justin's doorway and he happened to be talking to the opposing counsel that he happened to get along with. And the opposing counsel's like, listen, man, I'm gonna I want to try to settle this case with you, but you know, we don't believe there's any hail damage. And Justin said, Oh, well, hold on one second. And he uploaded the video and he and he emailed it to the opposing counsel. Right. And immediately he said, ah, shit. <laughs> All right. Let me go get some authority and I'll get your client name. Yeah, right. Because, because otherwise we had nothing to, to prove it other than right. my client's word against the insurance company. So. Right, right. And I guess even looking at, you know, you talked about hurricanes earlier and obviously the, you, you guys are in Florida, so there's pretty prevalent. You know, so even, you know, I'm going to say even the personal property in the house and things like that, if people aren't aren't, aren't taking pictures of that, they can be denied. It's like, oh, yeah, I had a big, you know, 85 inch, you know, colored TV on the wall. It's like, well, not that we can see, um, right. you know, obviously, because it could have been washed away type thing. So I'm assuming, you know, that would be a, more advice that you would give to people. Is kind of, you know, I always thought to be a paper hoarder. Right. You know, just keep every piece of paper that you can think of. It is in this, you know, it's so easy in this day and age where you can cam scan your papers and, right. you know, everything is is paperless. The right. more documents you keep, especially communications with you and your mortgage company, your insurance company, your insurance agent, that's super, super important. Right. And really, if you know, if hurricanes come, you have normally some time. Right. before the storm it's always a great time to just take a picture or video of your house and what was in it what it looked like beforehand so it's easy to show the insurance company well you don't think anything happened this is what it looked like three days ago and right. this is what it looks like now right and yeah. it's really helpful. Yeah. yeah it was here three days ago and it's not today <laughs> right right pretty clear yeah. um what in trying to to educate people, um, where is the best place for somebody to go 
to try to if they've been in an accident or if they've had you know damage to their house where is the kind of the best place to go because because not everybody's going to go to their insurance agent or the agent may not even want to i don't want to say they don't want to help but you know they they get bonused off of you know lost Correct. runs and stuff i didn't like want to that. say that i'm glad you oh, did but you know, so where where is a good place to to try to get educated on what your rights are and stuff like that without, you know, having to go through, you know, go through your policy, which, you know, I'm sure most people, if they start reading that policy, they're, you know, falling asleep, you know, two minutes into it. Well, I, I'm, you know, we're certainly always available and it's something that we're doing a major push on social media. I, you know, I post two to three times a week of, you know, the different pitfalls and, you know, the scams and the games that the insurance companies play. So um, I, I try to think of all of the different issues that I come across. And that's what actually fuels my content on a weekly basis is I'm so active in all of my cases that the moment I come up with, you know, I, I'm dealing with a certain issue. I'm like, ah, oh, this is something I need to educate the public on. Um, and obviously, you know, at the end of this podcast, I'm happy to give you know, our information, but we're very active on social media. Um, I'm putting out content that educates the public on what they should do in so many different situations in dealing with claims, their insurance policies, stuff like that. Right. Um, what are, um, you know, kind of go back to you, Justin, because you were, we were talking about the, the car accident earlier. So if, if somebody were to, to get into a car accident, do you have a quick, you know, three-step, five-step type thing for somebody to, you know, to do to make sure that they're protecting themselves? Yeah, as I said, call the police, go to the ER, and then give me a call. You know, those, those are the, the the biggest things. And the one of the biggest things is don't sign anything with the insurance company. Sometimes after an accident, actually not sometimes, a lot of times, if they know you haven't gotten a lawyer yet, which is why it's actually very important to get a lawyer, what they do is they go, oh, we see that you were in an accident. Yes, our insured was at fault. If you just sign here, we can get you a checkout for 25. And they really mislead them. It could be like $2,500 and the case is worth maybe $50,000. And people sign their rights away right away because these insurance adjusters, the insurance company really are creative and in the way that they you know explain it to the you know potential client or the one that was hurt um so you know you don't really want to bother us it's going to be long and drawn out if you don't want to take this money so don't sign anything that the insurance company gives you right away always contact the lawyer right so in, in talking about that i mean obviously you know you guys have have both worked on kind of both sides of of, of this um, you guys do a lot of education, stuff like that. But but again, like you said, you know, laws are different in each state. If somebody, because again, there's not all all professionals aren't created equal. Right. Um, what's the best way to go about finding that right attorney to help you? That's a great question. Really, really great question. Um, word of mouth. If you happen to see an advertisement or any type of marketing, look them up, Google them, you know, the, the same way that you would find if you, you know, oftentimes people will just um, hire a friend or or a neighbor, somebody that they, they know and they trust, but that person may not specialize 
in that specific area. So I can't tell you how many times we've actually inherited cases from somebody saying, oh, well, you know what, my neighbor, who's a lawyer, but he does transactional work, was right. trying to help me. And I'm like, oh, God. And then I get this mess of a case. So, you know, if you if you see an advertisement, which is a common way that a lot of people, you know, hire lawyers, just make sure you also vet them. You know, I mean, there, there's there's no 100 percent fail proof way um, of, of landing that, you know, all star counsel. Yeah, but also, um, I think it's really important. Make sure you're able to talk to the attorney. Yeah. OK, because there are so many of these large firms now and big firms that you'll get a paralegal or a secretary and you'll not even for intake, you won't even get you to get introduced to the lawyer. Right. Um, you know, at least, you know, if you want to be able to talk to the, your, your attorney, you should be able to, no matter how big your firm is. Right. And I see a lot of issues with that, that people contact me. They're going, I can't get in touch with my lawyer. And I've always prided myself on my accessibility whenever I started my firm, you know, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I talk to my clients. I know who my clients are. I have a lot of clients, but I have a general idea of what's going on in each of their cases at all times. And I can have an intelligent conversation with all my clients. Right. And a lot of lawyers can't do that. Right. And that's pretty telling. If, if a lawyer isn't available for an introductory phone call, that's going to, you know, that it's a potential new client. That's pretty telling. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, also, yeah. and and to, you know, along the same lines, though, and this is something that I do pride ourselves, you know, even though we are a growing law firm, I always said to my husband, I don't want to grow beyond a certain number of attorneys, because I never want to lose the personal, you know, connection with my clients, because that ultimately, your clients are the most important. They are the most important people, even after the case is over, because, you know, your clients, you establish a really great relationship. Can you be your biggest supporters, cheerleaders, and greatest referral sources? And so we never want to grow too big because we always want to continue to keep that relationship and the connection. And I feel like, you know, the bigger that the firms grow, things get handed down and down to, you know, maybe lawyers that aren't as experienced and nobody wants to spend the time to train and teach and mentor anymore. So you don't know who the heck is handling your case. You know, at our firm, we're the two principals and we're involved in every single aspect of our cases. So. Right. I think that's, you know, really the difference between it being transactional um, and that's and that's something that that there are as as things get bigger and bigger and bigger, everything tends to be more of a transaction because yeah. you know they need they need to do that push it down as far as I can bill right. as high as I can, um, you know and and that's in a lot of our profession so it's not just not just with the attorneys. Right. Um, what have I not asked you guys that you wish I had? I mean that's probably pretty 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 why there but i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up one thing it's it's another it's not really a mistake or a pitfall but it's a preconceived notion that a lot of people a lot of clients i have when they hire an attorney attorneys we are in a adversarial business where we have to sue and fight against another side and a lot of people just believe, believe that i've hired a lawyer that means i'm entitled to money and i'm going to win and we have to explain to everybody, you have a lawyer. We are going to fight for you as hard as we can, but there is no guarantee that we will you know, make a recovery for you. 
we'll do the best we can. But the only thing that's guaranteed in life is death and taxes. Right. So you getting a big settlement, not a guarantee. So, uh, you know, clients still need to be constantly reminded of that, that just because you have a lawyer doesn't mean you're going to win your case. And I actually just did a post on that. You know, I, I told, you know, because everybody, every professional out there, you know, has a, has a very, very different style of, of how they engage with prospective clients. Right. And what I see often, and I don't know what's going on in other jurisdictions, but here in the state of Florida, you know, you hear nightmare stories. You have competitors that you may respect, your competitors that you may not respect. Right. Yep. And I did a post recently where I said, you know, if a lawyer promises you any of the above, which is how much they're going to get you, if they're guaranteeing you a win, or if they're guaranteeing you or telling you how long the lawsuit is going to take, you better run the other way. Yeah. You know, everybody focuses on the sell, but nobody focuses on the service anymore. And so everybody to get the to get the sale or to get the client, they'll make every verbal promise under the sun. And then when it comes down to it, where nobody can ever prove, well, you told me that it was going to be, you know, a six month litigation. Yeah. As, all, as, as a lawyer, wouldn't we all wish that our lawsuits yeah. could, you know, settle in six months? <laughs> right. But right. the truth of the matter is. You, ne you never know. And so what I want the public to understand is that there's so many moving parts in litigation. You have a judge, you have an opposing counsel, you have an adjuster that works for the insurance company. You have the insurance company that has its own culture. You have a reserve system of how it is that they pay out claims, which has nothing to do and it's not personal to you as the plaintiff. You have your own lawyer. You have other variables that are that you nobody can control. That's all working to dictate how something is going to go. Likewise, if you go to trial, add on top of everything that I've mentioned, six strangers who've never met you that are ultimately deciding your case. Right. So if any lawyer with all those variables in play can guarantee you a win, how much or how long, you better run the other way if anybody's making those promises to you. Right, right. That's, that's yeah, that's just like if I do somebody's tax return, I guarantee them, oh yeah, I'll get you a refund. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Right. So if people like what they hear, and they want to reach out to you guys or they want to want to be able to watch your blogs and stuff like that. How can they reach out to you guys? www.cernitzlaw.com, C-E-R-N-I-T-Z law.com is our website. Our phone number here at the office is 305-370-3255. What's our can, social media? Anyway, you can check out our social media <laughs> handles. We have a Cernitz Law Instagram, TikTok. Uh, Justin Cernitz, Candace Chambron, Ron, all those social media things. Instagram, just, Facebook. And it's just our name. So it's easy. Our Great. first and last names are our handles for our personal. And then Cernitz Law will always be the handle on our business accounts. Great. Great. Guys, I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate the wisdom. I think that, that the listeners today are getting a lot out of this. And at least it helps them go in the right direction if they have uh, a, a, a tragic issue like this to deal with. Thank you so, so much for having Thanks us, for having Gary. Gary. This is a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thanks, sure. It's great. This week, our guests were Justin and Candace with Cernitz Law. I will see you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC.
To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>